Hey everyone, welcome to the House of Bliss podcast. I don't know about you guys, but I've had a really interesting couple of days. Things are a little bit surreal right now. In fact, I think the last time I remember feeling this kind of feeling in the air must have been around 9-11. I was was seven years old, and I remember all the adults being totally glued to the television. I felt like every hour the news was bringing more and more bad news. It seemed like the situation was just getting worse and worse. And so for me, at my retail job, uh, basically at at the video store, I can see that desperation and panic in people. It was so interesting because uh, probably by the time you even hear this podcast, you know, the landscape could change totally. But I was just watching my coworkers go, you know, go back and forth about how if they stay at work, they could get this virus, give it to their loved ones, they could die. Uh, But if they stay home, they're not going to have money to pay the bills or go get groceries. And so you can see everybody kind of has this strange panic. I mean, I even heard conversations popping up, talk about martial law and all kinds of stuff. And it's like, wow, it just feels so crazy to be alive right now. And I say this not at all in any sort of dismissive kind of way. It's just that I feel so much peace, even though I kind of don't really like it when ministries are just based around the news always chiming in on current events and stuff like that. Um, I felt like it might be good to just address this whole coronavirus craziness. It's a little unusual for me because instead of having a show where I create episodes that uh, just kind of lose their relevance, I like to focus on the timeless stuff, the gospel and revelation from the Holy Spirit. You know, I like to keep the the main thing, the main thing, and let those things kind of put our current events into focus. But, you know, when the fear level is this high... I just, I feel like I've got to say something about this. So originally I was planning on talking about visions and I'm still excited to release that episode, but I feel like now more than ever, people just need to hear a word of peace. And so I want to share a scripture with you that I've turned to time and time again. As some of you probably know, my wife and I live in the inner city and things can get kind of tough out here. Um, In fact, one of my best friends just had his car stolen at gunpoint in broad daylight. And so when you live in that kind of environment, uh, you learn some things about how to stay in the peace of God. And so honestly, right now, this whole coronavirus thing, it's like, that's like, you know, that, that same sort of base level of panic is something that I live in pretty much each and every day. And so I, it's not that I don't notice it. It's just that it's like, yeah, it's another thing to trust God with. And so I, I wanted to share a scripture with you that I've come back to time and time again. It's Psalm 91. So, so what I want to do is I, I think I'd like to just read this whole scripture to you from start to finish. And then I want to just go back and highlight a couple of things that really stick out to me and really hit me every time I read this. So here we go. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, 
my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on lion and cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Whew. (laughs) That is a psalm. Now, I want to point out something. Obviously, there's a lot of poetic language involved here. um, Lots of layered metaphors. But this scripture is not talking about something metaphorical. But actually, it's describing a gloriously tangible reality. To me, everything, 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 everything is about the presence of God. And I've talked about this on my show before, but the entire point of the Old Testament, the the centerpiece of the entire Old Testament narrative was the temple. The temple was where God's glory was physically present. And remember, the whole temple was set up with this promise that one day all of us would be kings, all of us would be priests, and all of the earth would be his temple. Okay, that, that just implies right there that you and I would have direct, real, face-to-face contact with God himself. We, there would be a real experiential reality there for everyone. So that's not far away off in the future, um, but when Jesus showed up and he said, hey, the time is fulfilled, he was saying all of those scriptures, all of those prophecies, all of those longings for the future are now fulfilled and they're here in me. The kingdom of God is now. And so the raw real presence of God is a concrete promise, not just a doctrine and not just a pie in the sky hope for the future. It's real. He's alive. I mean, let's just think about it. Do you remember when the glory of the Lord filled the temple when Solomon dedicated it? It says, It was so heavy and so thick that the priest couldn't even stand to minister under the weight of him. Which is funny, by the way, because lawfully uh, they needed to get up and do their job or, or else face death. And yet the Lord wouldn't allow them to stand a minister. 
Um, Think about this, you know, Moses just spent 40 days in the presence of God and his face was literally shining with light. And in 1 Corinthians, it says that was the old covenant. The new one that we've been given now is so much more glorious that the old almost looks like it has no glory at all. So when this psalm talks about abiding in the shadow of the Most High, being covered with his wings, going to him for shelter, um, those are very real ways of describing being in the cloud of his manifested presence. And so I want to look at two modes of experiencing that that are, that are right here in the psalm. The first is it says, I will call him my shelter. So the glory of God is a shelter that would be like a place of safety, a place of recovery. Um, When it gets bad out there, when there's a major storm, where do you run? You run for shelter. It's about safety. It's about rest. It's about hiding out and waiting. And so if you're one of the people out there and you are feeling the weight of anxiety, you, you, you're one of those people, like, you feel the panic. You don't know if you should stock up on a thousand cans of beans or not. Honestly, I, I get it, and I don't blame you. I don't think there's anything wrong with you. I'm one of those people, it is really tough for me to get discouraged, but I had such a surreal day at work. You know, I work retail in an in a urban center, and I can just say where I live It is almost approaching like this post-apocalypse feeling, the way people are talking about it. And I'll notice this, as someone who works at a store that sells entertainment, with all this talk of self-quarantine, the major temptation I'm hearing right now is for everyone, if they could just bury themselves in entertainment and just wait it out and be distracted, uh, they might be okay. But here in this psalm, there's an invitation here. When it gets bad out there, Run to him as your shelter. Because peace here is the promise. Because peace is not the absence of bad things happening. It's not having no storms. Peace is the person of God. And it promises you that you will find rest. There's echoes here to me of when Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So instead of just wasting this time uh, watching Netflix. I mean, yeah, of course, be with your family, enjoy your time, play Monopoly, watch Netflix, whatever. But instead of just hoping for everything to go away and just getting sucked into a fantasy world, why not spend your time with him? Because in his presence, you will find that your heart gets recalibrated. You'll find that your confidence gets restored and you feel called back to yourself. Now, as beautiful and amazing as that truth is, you and I as believers, we were not meant to stay in shelter mode because Psalm 91 also says that his presence is a fortress. And a fortress, if you think about it, is a safe place, a guarded place of advantage. It's it's to attack from. And so, yeah, you, you could think of that for all kinds of different scenarios and problems, but it's interesting to me how pestilence and disease is sort of this recurring theme in Psalm 91. So think about it this way. God has always been the healer and the protector. Those are his names. He is healer. He is provider. He is protector. 
And so his presence is his personhood. There, there, there's no difference between the presence of God and God himself. So if you're abiding in his presence, you are abiding in his healing, his provision, and his protection. And so this is something that I spent a really great deal of time thinking about last year, actually. It all kind of started when I found something super amazing in the Passion Translation. Um, In Acts chapter 5, it talks about this story where Peter, the apostle, he's walking in so much power the Bible is talking about how his shadow was, re- was, was healing people. It says, The people laid their sick in the street uh, so that his shadow might fall on them. Now, what's cool about this is if you look at that phrase, might fall on them. In Greek, it's a, a, a piskiazo. I think that's the way you say it. But it, it literally means to overshadow. But according to Brian Simmons, the translator, he said this word is exclusively used for the power of the Almighty. This same covering of Peter's shadow is the same overshadowing of the Holy Spirit that came upon Mary when she gave birth to Jesus. And the same goes for the cloud that overshadowed Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Bill Johnson has this amazing quote about this. He says, your shadow will always release what overshadows you. So, so whatever you give your agreement to, you will release around you. Are you aware of panic, fear, lack? Then you'll release those things into your environment. But if you're aware of him and his glory and his provision and his healing, uh, when you dwell in the shadow of the Almighty, you release him to the world around you. So when you dwell in that shadow of the Almighty, you, you say in safety, yes, but you also become a fortress that decimates the powers of darkness. Listen, I'm not anti-science. I'm not anti-reason and logic. Again, God, I've said it so many times here. God gave us brains so that we would use them. <laughs> he loves our minds. But the question here is, With all of this talk about self-quarantine and washing your hands and making sure you stock up on food for months on end and all all this stuff going on, all this panic and all these steps you got to take, the question is, is Psalm 91 something that you can take to the bank? And I'll leave that up to you because I'm not advocating being stupid here and ignoring government action. Faith isn't reckless, so I'm not saying you should act like you're invincible. In fact, it's funny that the devil actually quoted the scripture to Jesus uh, in justification of telling him to jump off the temple, and Jesus wouldn't do it because he knows that's abusing what this psalm is talking about. But at some point, you've just got to take God at his word that he's a supernatural God. And if he's a supernatural God, and if you're really betting on that, then that is going to cause you to live your life in a way that draws some sideways glances from your neighbors and coworkers. So if that's true, if you are radiating the supernatural presence of the one whose name is Healer, why on earth would you be afraid? Jesus never avoided touching lepers. Everyone who touched him was healed. In fact, Jesus actually made it a point to make a statement by going out to touch those people who are specifically deemed untouchable by everyone else. 
It reminds me of a story of John G. Lake. Uh, he, he has a story in his book where he invited these scientists uh, to, to basically to put his hand under a microscope. And he had them place a sample of this super deadly plague that was wiping out South Africa at the time. And it says, as the scientists watched his hand under the microscope, they could actually see the disease wither and die. <laughs> see, the presence of God, the presence of the healer, always causes damage to sickness and death. So when you make the presence of the Lord your covering and your dwelling, you become you become radioactive. You become contagious. Now, this psalm talks a great deal about safety. And another interesting thing to note here is there, there are lots of references to angels. The Bible says, as he is, so are we. The Bible says that we are to walk in the way that Jesus walked. And the life of Jesus was surrounded by angels. Jesus said to his disciples that they would see angels ascending and descending upon him. So that's a reference, that's a callback to the ladder that Jacob saw. It was like a link between heaven and earth, the, the supernatural realm and the natural realm. But since you have Christ in you, that very same ladder operates through you right now. Again, this can't just be a simple doctrinal belief. But when you fill your atmosphere with praise, when your awareness of his glory increases, the, the angels around you actually begin to respond. So this is just a personal opinion here, but I think this is partially uh, why people were healed just by being around Peter. He carried the power of God on him so strongly that the angels were able to move freely about him. You know, they would just fly here and there, bring a breakthrough to this person, to that person. And everywhere these angels go, they, they carry out the will of the Father. So Blake Healy has a really incredible book called The Veil, and it kind of sheds some light on this a bit. Um, but he, he tells a story where he was once led by this angel to a house that he saw, and the house was totally covered in darkness. And so all Blake had to do was stand there, and the angel was able to dispel this dark cloud and fill the house with light. And then afterwards, the angels uh, turned to him and said, thank you. Um, just because you were standing there, it gave me access to this house. Remember, God doesn't, God doesn't snap his fingers independently from us and make everything different. No, it, he partners with us. And so by dwelling in his presence, by creating an atmosphere of his presence around us, even setting foot near a place can release the angelic and change the atmosphere. And so that is all the more reason for you. Now, again, I'm not trying to give you medical advice here. I'm just saying, like, why not go for a prayer walk around your neighborhood? Uh, why not just walk between the aisles of your store with this awareness that angels are beginning to move through you and bring uh, answers to all kinds of prayers? Not because you and yourself have some kind of special power, but because you are dwelling in the shadow of the Most High. I, I want to leave you with, with one more thought here. There's this amazing, uh, famous passage where, where Jesus is standing near this mountain. And on this mountain is a famous temple. It's, it's known for being the throne of some of the most evil and demonic gods. And it's right there at this spot where Jesus says to Peter, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, one of my favorite, favorite scholars, honestly, he's one of the most brilliant scholars of our time. His name is Michael Heiser. 
And he notes uh, that this is a bad translation, really, um, because it makes it sound like we, the church, are enduring the forces of hell as it pounds on our gates. But in fact, it should actually be translated, the gates of hell will not withstand it. As in, we are the ones who are on the offense, and no structure or power or hell will survive the onslaught of the church. Look, we're not meant to be hunkering down in fear. We are meant to be out there kicking down gates, wrecking fear, sickness, and hunger, and anything else that sets itself up against the purposes of God. I remember talking to someone recently how a hundred years ago, the church was the leader in social services. They were churches everywhere would gather to feed the poor, to house the homeless, to clothe the naked, like we were the leaders. But then at some point there was a switch and the government uh, became the, you know, the primary source of that stuff for people. And as good as that is, I think it's left the church in a state of just weakness where we don't think about that stuff. We just live in this sort of utopian paradise where everything is fine. And so now that there's this shaking that's come along, there's this there's this epidemic of sorts that's causing us to start to think about our neighbors differently. Look, this is the time where the rubber meets the road. This is the time where if you believe in miracles, you believe in provision, this is the time to get your eyes off of yourself, off of your own family, off of your own needs and protection and begin to think about those around you. What if you started stockpiling for the people who aren't getting a paycheck next week? What if you start uh, you know, going door to door and laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover with no fear that this virus is going to overtake you. Look, you work out how that looks like with, with God on your own. Once again, I'm not telling people to be reckless, but I am saying it's moments like these where we really get to see what's inside. Like, I love Dan Muller's analogy. He says, if you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. If you squeeze an apple, you get apple juice. If you squeeze a Christian... Well, then you get Jesus pouring out. And so here is my final thought. There are two types of people out there. And if you are wounded, if you're hurting, if you're confused, if you're scared, you don't know what to believe, you don't know what's going on, the world feels like it's upside down, I get it. But he is your shelter. You can run to him. He will comfort you. He is the God of comfort. But (laughs) that's not where we stay because what he really wants is to make you into a fortress where even your very presence everywhere you set your foot causes damage to hell itself. And in that, you become a shelter for the hurting world around you. So let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Right now, Lord, for everyone listening, I just release encounters with your Spirit. I pray that you begin to overshadow them right now. That just like Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, just like Mary when she was overshadowed, and just like Peter when he was walking the streets and seeing the sick healed, you would overshadow them right now. Yeah, Lord, and I, I, I thank you that you're just sifting through, you're, you're pushing through all of the confusion, <laughs> and you're giving us real wisdom. 
And I, I thank you that everyone listening to this is going to be uh, just full of your love, totally fearless, with a sense of clarity. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks so much. Be safe out there and just go in peace. Thank you so much for listening to the House of Bliss podcast. Hey, if you'd like to support this ministry, it is super easy to do it. All you need to do is click the link in the description of this episode and go to our Patreon page. Sign up there for as little as a dollar a month. You can not only support us, but you can get access to all kinds of super cool behind-the-scenes benefits. Thanks so much for considering it, and God bless.